Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Now, a word from our sponsors. Matt, welcome to the World XP Podcast. This is a special World Cup edition. We've got the semifinals and the final coming up this week. Saw some bonkers games. Figured I'd get my friend Matt's soccer, well, I guess soccer and volleyball, all sports things uh friend on here our uh, normal resident sports writer has covid so uh he's fine he says he's fine i think he was happier that the eagles were winning i don't actually know if they won but i think last time i checked they were winning fourth quarter at least well then he's a happy man at the moment so it's all good there how you doing man good thanks for having me eric yeah of course so i unfortunately didn't get to actually let's start with the groups and I am looking at my phone just to pull up the groups and stuff. Um, thoughts on the groups. If I'm just like, shoot, like, uh, we're talking group stage. Yeah. yeah. Takeaways. Let me pull up these group stage. Takeaways initially is, if you do not watch soccer, you probably have been hooked this World Cup. Um, that I think that there has comparatively to other, and even just 2018, the World Cup, I think there has been many games. I wouldn't say necessarily upsets because at this level and at this stage, um, anybody can win. And you have players who um, are playing all over the world, intermixing, and they know each other, how they play. Um so I wouldn't really necessarily say upsets, but I would say really good games, or I would say maybe the underdogs coming in um, and giving the teams who were kind of written off to make it through all the way, whether it's the quarterfinals or semifinals or even final, um, a really run a run for their money. Yeah, I would agree. I think a lot of the South American and the Asian countries and some of the African ones that don't necessarily have the big names, you can tell this World Cup have kind of caught up like you look at in Ecuador, they didn't qualify through, but they looked good. Senegal as well, even without Sadio Mane, looked looked good. You look at obviously Morocco, but then you look at like a Japan or a South Korea and some of these other countries where you're saying like, oh, that's weird. They normally wouldn't have gone through. But then you actually look at the players that they have and they're like South Korea, for instance, and Japan have players in the Bundesliga, in the Premier League, and you're like, you just forget, like, how good these players actually are. And then the ones, the Frances of the world, like, the quality that they have to not, like, have got upset yet yeah. is, there's, like, like, there's levels to it. Or to even rest their prime, you know, their their main starters and stuff. Mm-hmm. We see Brazil do it. We see France do it. And yeah, people are like, oh yeah, Tunisia beat France. And it's like, well, yeah, but they had two starters in. And I'm not taking anything away from Tunisia. That was, uh, you know, a heck of a fight. Um, and it was a really good game. Um, but, you know, and then you see Brazil too, you know, lose to Cameroon, you know, and people are like, oh, you know, Brazil is shaky. I think it, it comes down to I, a lot of people just look at an end score and expect so much you know and and then there's that classic argument of you know i don't watch soccer i hate soccer because you have this huge net and the score ends one zero well i guarantee you if you put any of those people who say that on a field they're not going to score 90 minutes 
I can nah, no, no <laughs> shot. Know? And so, um, but I think it, it, it speaks to the level of, like you said, the level of play and how quick the game is, you know, playing, used to playing overseas. Uh, I played in Uganda. I played in Brazil. The, the, the speed of the game, even compared to the U.S., and I think that's grown tremendously. Mm-hmm. And we see that from our young players. We see that from Tyler Adams. We see that from Robinson. We see it from Pulisic. We see them uh, making plays of holding up a play, but then in an instant they can change the speed of the game. And I think a lot of people who are just watching the game um, kind of either forget that or don't know that because they just see a person with a soccer ball at their foot. You know, Yeah, like, uh, that's a hard concept to coach as well. I've been trying to coach my players to like – when to like what it actually means to speed the game up and slow the game down. It's a very hard concept to like to to explain to somebody because often it's very instinctive. Um, I want to touch on the the point you made about Brazil and France resting players, and then to say so they've Brazil has lost to Croatia on penalties at at this point. I think for me, my takeaway from that game was nothing on. Brazil really is more Livakovic is way better than everybody thought he would be. And Modric is one of the best midfielders probably ever at this point. Like Livakovic for people who haven't been paying attention, he plays in the Croatian league. So like people don't see him that much, Mm -hmm. Um, but he'll probably go somewhere go to a big club after this. And, Mm -hmm. Rightly so. I think he's 20. I want to say he's like in his mid-20s. So he's still young for a goalkeeper. Um, And then Modric at 37 to basically run the game the way he did against that Brazilian team is like his nuts. So I don't like I don't even take it as an indictment of Brazil. Yeah. Should they have put it away? Probably. But Modric and then also Kovacic and uh, Brozovic in that midfield three are just like Nobody knows who they are because they're not nobody, but people who are, I'll say, like the armchair fans, yeah. have no have no clue, and then they show up and put in a in a performance like that, which to me is not like they played really really well, obviously, but it's not super surprising. Yeah, I'm looking at a stat. So Kovic, he is 28, and Brovic, he is 30. He's playing for Internacional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I butcher any of these names, I apologize. Um, Probably not as bad as um, Alexi Lawless. But, um, and I and I agree with you. I think Luka Modric, comparatively, you, you, you take uh, Iniesta, you take Javi, you take all these players in the midfield. You take Kevin De Bruyne. He could be up in that talk recently. Mm-hmm. He's done at Man City. And I think he, he kind of didn't live up to his standards in this, in this um, tournament. But Modric, I will, I will die on the hill. He is one of the best center midfielders that we have seen in football because yeah. he, the way he is able to, first of all, he's 37 and he played almost the entire game against, um, who did Croatia play? Japan. Uh, Japan. He, and then he gets taken off for penalties. He goes to, he, he then plays Brazil the entire game, both overtime. 37 years old and if you and and, and and he is still playing for one of the top clubs in the world real madrid he's starting and he is doing well you yeah. know i don't know the specific stats of his assists and goals but he's consistently starting he's 
taking care of his body. So he's not riddled with injury. Like we see a lot of young players and I, I, I'd have him in my lineup. I'd absolutely have him in the lineup. And that midfield, I think not only, like you said, um, not to take credit away from Croatia and stuff like that, because on paper, yes. Um, I'm a Fairfax County public schools teacher. I teach health and PE at a middle school. And it's really interesting to hear all these kids' opinions. And a lot of them are like, oh, it's going to be Brazil, Brazil's starting team versus Brazil's subs, you know, like in the final, just joking. Because on paper, it is ridiculous. On France, England, it, on paper, it is ridiculous. You automatically check off, all right, they're going to win. They're going to be in the final. Um, and Croatia isn't like that. Um, there's some of these players that I haven't heard of or really don't even recognize in the big clubs, big leagues. And they're here in the semifinal going to take on Argentina, which was one of the favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their keeper has done ridiculously well. I think he plays for Sevilla. Livakovic? Uh, uh, their, their goalie. Yeah, yeah, that's Livakovic, the guy I was mentioning before. He plays okay, in he plays in the Croatian league, and he's only oh. twenty seven. So for a keeper that's young, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I think it's just ridiculous, um, and I think they've done really well. So yeah, and Vardio, one of the center backs, he's only twenty, the left footed one with the mask. For those watching, oh, he's gonna get a big contract. He yeah, he's at Leipzig at the moment, um, and. For me, paying close attention, as close attention as I do to all these players, like this is the time when they all start to step up and you see how good they all are, really. And it's really like Vardiol, I've known about for a few years. There's been like, uh, for example, on the the Japanese team, you look at like Kamada and Doan. I watch them play in the Bundesliga all the time. I'm a Dortmund fan, so I see them all the time and they ball out in that league and then people are like oh, Japan's trash and it's like yeah I've been watching those guys for four years so it was really cool to see them do it on on the world stage um you mentioned England what are your thoughts on them I've seen I've seen on Twitter from England like FIFA Twitter that they've now decided that they think Southgate is okay and they want him to stay for the Euros after the Euros last um year they were all like, nope, he needs to go. Yep. What are your thoughts on England as a as a whole? Oh man, how long is this podcast? Um uh, no. <laughs> however long you want it to be. <laughs> um first I think England, I'm looking up right now. I think um I think Southgate has done well. Um and I think going into this world stage tournament, you know, where everyone is watching. Um and he brought England as far as they did. I think that he has something to be proud of. Um, you know, was it expected to go home in some people's eyes and, you know, and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, on paper, they should have been in the final. Um, but you also have to think, like, they have very young players as well, um, you know, and a lot of them in their first World Cup. Um, and I think the players that they brought, being their first World Cup, Saka, um, Bellingham, I think those are just the key standouts, not only for England's team, but for the whole tournament. And I think that they've done really, really well. So I think Southgate has a lot to build. I was not necessarily uh, impressed with them in group stage. Um, I think that they almost played, other than their opening game with um, Iran, um, very conservative for how much 
talent and kind of push and attack they have. So when they played the U.S., I was quite surprised. And again, not taking away from um, the USA. I'm not taking away from the other group games that they had. But I think that they um, could have done better then. But when it comes to, you know, their last game that they had against France, I think it just came down to, you know, Harry Kane. I think, uh, you know, you you take hours and hours and hours of penalties against a teammate, you know, it's more of a mental game than people think. Um, it is unfortunate, but I think Southgate does have stuff to be um, proud of in that moment and, and in the tournament as a whole. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game, but I was following on like the, the game cast or whatever. And I was watching the substitutions and my brother was texting me updates all the time. And it seemed like England probably on the run of play deserved to win. And then I look at the sub, the subs that he made. And the one that I think nobody really understands why is when you're down a goal, and I looked at the subs that he made, he, he's bringing on attackers for, uh, for attackers. If I'm him, looking at the France lineup, right? They go 4-2-3-1, and they're basically playing with four attackers. Why would you not take off Bellingham for as good as he's been, right? You keep Henderson on for the experience with Rice mm-hmm. because they're going to have to cover more space. And then you stick Foden at 10 and then bring on Rashford, Sterling, whoever. That was the thing that I didn't understand. And also why I didn't understand why he didn't do that earlier in the group stage at all. He was always playing with three midfielders rather than like a true 10. Like Bellingham is not really a 10. He's an eight. Henderson is an eight. Rice is a six. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think he did anything wrong, but I think there's things that maybe could have gone better. Obviously he can't control if Kane misses the the other penalty. Um, And honestly, as good as Kane is at penalties, I probably also would have him take the second one again too. Like, We've seen since some of the other shoot like Kane generally guaranteed goal for like obviously until the second one. But yeah, it takes a stepping shot. I don't know the them off. And head. the thing with Kane is he doesn't play mind games with the keepers. He just picks a corner and hits the corner every single time. And that's why I would have expected him to have scored the second one because um, yeah. he takes the mental game out of it because he hits it so hard into the corner that I would have thought that he would have just picked a corner again and just put it in the corner. You can't get you can't save that. Um, I think honestly he got in his own head at that point. Yeah, uh, I agree. I don't uh, think Loris got in his head. I think he got in his own head. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you're talking about lineups too, and I agree with that. And I think honestly the subs came a little late. Um, yeah. you know, I, honestly, if England was <laughs> as wanting it and hungry, I mean, we say we saw in the first 60 minutes, yes, Henderson was playing kind of in the deep, kind of like an eight, but I mean, he was the one full pressing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, forwards and he's you're on the he's on the field and he's screaming at his teammates to press with him um I think uh he could have made a ballsy or a very um risky substitute and he could have put on Triplier so he could be more in the attack or even Trent um and taken off Maguire I mean yeah you're using I probably would have done that honestly but at (laughs) that point that's such a FIFA sub (laughs) it's a FIFA sub but I mean if you're if you're going for it instead of somebody who can just win it in the box and has slower pace you're putting on somebody who's quick who's going to be in the attack 
And it looked like England, yeah, you're trying to find the opening. You're trying to put it in the box. You're trying to put it to the wingers and have them come in, you know, Foden to the outside. Uh, I'm trying to, who came for Saka? Um, Sterling, you know, Mm -hmm. he's coming all the way out. But France, they know this, you know. They're putting it to the corners. They're clearing it. And you have Sterling who's having to track all the way back. And that, you know, and it's like, okay, if, if we're full pressing and you're trying to get it outside, you got to do it a little quicker. And I just think that, yeah, the substitutes, like you said, I don't think they were wrong. I think they came too late. And I think some of the decisions could have been better if, you know, it, it, it was literally all or nothing in that last um, few minutes of regulation. And then it was, I think is eight minutes of stoppage time. But I think Jack Grealish, he came in with less than five minutes. Yeah. So, of course, but, if they get a goal and they go on to win, then we're all sitting here like, "Oh, he made great subs," but um, it's very. But it wasn't. It right. wasn't to be. But France only made one sub. The thing with France as well that they've got to this point. If you look at their attacking options, they only brought on Kingsley Coman for Usmane Dembele, and they don't have um, Benz Benzema anymore, and they don't have Nkunku, and they don't have. I think there's one other attacker that's not playing. Uh, Conte's out. Conte and Pogba are both out as well. So they've got to this point with uh, two backup center mids. They're not really playing with a right back. And the first choice left back towards ACL in the first, like, 10 minutes of the first game. And they're still into the semifinals against a team that they probably should, on paper, beat. But, again, I don't know. I want to touch, before we get on to the semifinals and the quarterfinals and stuff a little bit i want to touch on the you mentioned the usa england game and there's been a lot of games japan germany japan spain uh usa england where we've got uh ecuador holland um a bunch of these games that were underdogs have played have taken the game to a bigger a bigger team and then the debate always comes, well, did they just play bad or did the underdog actually just play really well and make them play bad? And for USA England, watch watching the whole game, I would say England didn't play great, but I think we made them not play well. The tactics, I remember watching the ball just kept going between Maguire and Stones. And um, Wright and Wea basically, like, the ball would come across and then one would press and the other one would, would drop off onto Rice. And then it would go back and then they would just swap. And that, that for me, is a Southgate problem, not a player problem, because the way that they wanted to play was to get the ball into Rice to build out the attack. And Berhalter was like, well, just always have somebody on on Rice. And then it, like... They never changed. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that game? Uh, let's see. I've watched so many games. So, you know, can't even remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Let's see. Um, I think looking at it, I think both teams had chances. I want to try to look up the stats um, and stuff. And I agree. I think the U.S., I think the way we came out and I think the mentality of that game was almost if we can take a point from England, we, we win or draw against Iran now. And Mm -hmm. it was, it ended up being, we had to, it was a do or die of like, we had to win against Iran. But I think 
Berhalter was in that position where, hey, if we give up this goal, it we're sunk. So I think Berhalter already going into that with with our with the U.S. team was like, hey, let's play more of a defensive shape. Let's pressure through the center, um, and but let's not load the numbers up on the attack because we'll get hit with the quick counter very quickly. Like you said, that England can put it to Rice's foot. They can put it to, um, I don't know who started, um, but in their, in their whole midfield, you know, and it's a one cross and done. Cause I don't think the U S is necessarily strong when it comes to defending crosses and set pieces. Um, I think. We did press some though, like, but the line of confrontation wasn't low. But it wasn't high either. We it was a it was a middle it was a middle block. We weren't sitting in a low block by any stretch of the imagination. But like, we also didn't go Jurgen Klopp on them. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, the lineups, and I'm trying to think back of the actual. They had Rice, Rice, Bellingham, and Mount in their midfield. Saka, Kane. Sterling and in the back four. Sterling, okay, Sterling did start. Yeah. yeah, I I think and there we were playing now four four two. Um but I, I I think I mean I still I still would agree, like I don't or agree to disagree. Like I think that Berholter was coming into that game of like let's play more defensively. Yeah, we had we pressed, like you said, uh, when it came through the center to um to pick it off of Rice and Bellingham's foot. But I don't necessarily think we were playing that um game to necessarily go ahead first. Um do we have our chances? Yeah, absolutely. Um when we pressed high and stuff like that. But I think in a sense our attack we were playing more conservative. Yeah. Uh, and I and it's it is funny because you know being you know uh, at school um here and students like oh it's zero zero is really boring and stuff like that. But the the underappreciation of just the little tactical things, you know, if if a defender can shake off um, somebody and put the ball, you know, into the channels with ease, you know, almost every single time. So us watching, it's like, it's like, Oh, that that's what they're supposed to do. But to actually do it, you know, that's one thing to yeah. have a center attacking mid to receive the ball and put a 40 yard pass across um, the pitch. Like that's actually, that's insane. If you're thinking about it. And again, we're using like, they're, they're doing it like it's just second nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think England underperformed a little bit. Yeah. I think was USA, they're playing more conservative. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, as, as it, as it showed, it was, I think it was beneficial. And I think both managers played the game like well when it came to formations and who they brought in and who they didn't bring in. Yeah. Um, The thing, the thing that I would add to that is I think your analysis of the plan is entirely accurate, but I think once we, Musa, and Adams started winning the ball in midfield and McKinney, I think we changed a little bit because I think we expected them to be better, but we won the midfield battles and then it allowed us to kind of push, push more. Um, I think probably the intent was to sit in a little bit more, but since we, since we were winning every second ball, it was like we were able to get on the attack a lot more. Um, Do you think if McKinney was, healthy for the full 90 minutes do you think we could have pulled out a goal if he stayed on yeah the yeah yeah for sure i think so too and if reina if if, if, we, if reina and aronson get on the field for more than reina aronson and mckinney like if we end up with let me go back to the lineup instead of Wright or sergeant if we end up with 
Where did it go? Yeah, right in where it started. Yeah. If we ended up with in the same formation, if we ended up with Oh my god, I don't know how to navigate this app anymore. I literally just had it up and I clicked off for no reason. Yeah, so if we ended up with McKenney staying and then right and way subbed off for like Aronson and Reyna with like 30 minutes to go. Or maybe, I don't know, like I don't even think the McKinney sub was a bad sub because like Wea has been Wea played really well. For me though, so Dest for me had a really good game tournament. And then the one that people are kind of talking about, Musa, but like not really. For me, when I was watching Eunice Musa in uh, I don't know if it was the Gold Cup or the when he started first playing, he got that first game against I think Mexico in the like his first time playing against Mexico like two years ago or last year. Um, I remember thinking too much, like watching him get the ball on a half turn and just gliding by. I think it was Edson Alvarez who plays for Ajax. Mm. And I remember thinking this kid is going to be bonkers good. And that was like two, three it, years it, ago. Uh, was it the World Cup qualifier or was it Gold Cup? Was he said a few years ago? I don't remember what game it was, to be totally honest. Um, but his ability to carry the ball, you're looking at kind of like a Kovacic type, type player, obviously, who plays for Chelsea. Um, he's a ball-carrying center midfielder. I think he is underrated. Um, I thought he had a really good game physically that game as well against Rice and Bellingham. So I don't know. For me, for me, him and Tyler Adams were the reason that we were able. Like they showed their quality in that game, especially. Yeah, I think Dest has done really well in the back. Um, uh, Carter Vickers coming on. Um, and I think he he did well. Um, it was kind of good to see him um, make good defensive plays. Um, I think there was some flash moment or in the moment decisions that, you know, I think under pressure and him just not getting playing time, you know, getting loaned out everywhere. Um, I think and I'm, I'm pulling up footage from, yeah, Musa going against, I have the World Cup qualifier um, last November against Mexico. And like you said, he's just gliding. He's getting the he's getting the ball and he's never still. When he's off the ball, he's always dropping and making an option. He's coming in supporting the outside wingers. He's coming in and he's spreading the ball and he's and it's and it, it he's it's it's coming easy for him. It's, it's someone who that young at that level playing against the USA versus Mexico game. So there's a whole history there, you know, with football. And he's coming in and he's just making it look like it's a pickup. Yeah, and at, at, in that game, I think he was 18 okay. years old. Um, he's 20 now. But, yeah, like just one drop of the shoulder, able to carry the ball through through a team in Mexico that generally if that happens, they will just kick you. <laughs> so it's like – Kick you or – yeah, I mean, they had a, they have a good – I mean, they're, they're qualifying the World Cup there too, so it's not like they're reserving players. I think during those standings – I could be totally wrong, but I think we were close, if not tied with points. So it's not like both teams were sitting back saying, okay, this is going to be an easy game. And, you know, it's always, yeah, it's USA versus Mexico. So there's always yeah. going to be some kind of 
tension or stance. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally I agree. Okay, on to let's see other other notes from the quarterfinals that you. Well, I'd like to get your opinion on Argentina Netherlands. Which part? The whole game? Uh yeah. Let let's let's talk about first. I guess I'd love to hear your insight of what you thought about the game, and then everything that happened before and after the game. So the the game itself. Um... I don't the. The Dutch, I don't know. I don't. So, the Dutch have a way culturally of playing. They play four three three. They play with the ball. They press. It's fluid. Um, they have a certain way of playing. Generally, they've deviated from that with Van Gaal. They did that in the twenty fourteen World Cup as well. And. They've done well. Like they are more than content to kind of just sit in and then hit you on the counter a couple of times. That's exactly what they did to the U.S. in the round of 16, and then get it to a point where either they've nicked a goal or two on the counter, or they just throw on Vaikhorst and Luke De Jong and pump balls into the box, and they get back into the game that way, which is exactly what they did against Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're forced. I mean, I mean, you're going down two zero with a squad that has Messi. You know, um, yeah, think... you you kind of have to at at that point. But if you look at the, so where they're lacking for me is they don't really have a left back. Um, like they have, well, they have Malasia. How how I would set up if I was them playing in the Dutch way is I'd have Dumfries at right back. I'd have Probably Timber and Van Dyke, or actually Delict and Van Dyke, maybe, and then Malasia at left back, and then I have De Jong as a pivot by himself, and then you get into where they're really lacking, and they don't really have number eights, box to box midfielders, and so that's kind of why you you're you've left you're left in this situation where you have to go this way because you don't have you don't have two other central midfielders that can play with De Jong. In the way that you'd like, like Klassen is not Klassen is, nah. Darun, nah. Hoop Miners, nah. Like none of them are at that level where you'd you'd want them to be at for a. And Blind came up early too, you know, being in. Yeah, and Blind also like has his deficiencies. Like he's good on the ball, but he's so slow. Like I think I'm probably actually faster than him. Um, and I think you also are probably faster than him. Like he's so slow. Um, so yeah, that's the Dutch. Argentina deviated. They changed up tactics. Went to a back five, back three, back five. Same, same thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they also adjusted the way that they played. I don't know. It it was a weird game because it didn't feel like. Julian Alvarez wasn't really didn't really have that much of an offensive role. Basically, they just put in three center backs, six like workhorse type players, and then Messi, and that's what. And then the thing with the Dutch is kind of they also set it up in a similar sort of way. Um, 
Messi's quality basically showed through, and then the Dutch got lucky, and then probably end result, Argentina deserved to win uh, through on on the run of play. Um, and then Emmy Martinez, what a keeper, such a shit house man. That dude is nuts. Oh, absolutely. Uh, going into it, you know, you have the Netherlands keeper. Um, cool story with him, by the way. Um, yeah. Um, six eight. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, easy. And I'm like, yo, you watch Martinez and the history of just even the mind games of like even in the Premier League, like with Via. Oh my goodness. It was the Colombia shootout um, in the Copa America last summer. Yeah, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now you know, and I. I think that Argentina, I like the way that they were still pressing. Yeah, they switched to like the five through two um, after their first goal. I think the second goal was soft, um, but I know a lot of men. The pen? I think the pen was soft. Nah, it's a pen. You can't uh, swipe your leg like that. Didn't, I don't know. Re- real time, it, it, it is funny just because real time, slowing it down, you see the contact. And it probably takes away some of the force of the contact. I don't know. Mexico fans, I bet you're, I bet they're super happy with it, you know, with uh, being robbed against uh, the Netherlands uh, last Look, time. He, he goes over yeah. easy for sure, but it's still a pen. Yeah. Like you can't swipe your leg like you can't swipe your leg through, make contact, and then not expect the guy to go over and you give up a pen. Right. Yes. Not expecting it. Yes. I think it was, it was a dumb mistake. I don't think he was a threat, um, you know, making the mistake. Uh, you say that exactly with England second. I think that was a really, really dumb, idiotic move going through the back of Mount. Yes. Did he sell it with a contact? Yes, absolutely. But you know, it's, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Argentina got a, that was a little lucky. I'm glad Messi, he came uh, before I guess he was talking to Martinez and all of the drama between the two teams. And Martinez says, Hey, like they're saying this about you. And Messi goes, well, it's okay. I'll go and score two goals. And of course that's what he does. He has this wonderful, wonderful assist. Yeah. Still, if you're looking at it, have you watched up, it back? I've watched it back. It's in the background on my phone. No, <laughs> it is. Oh my. How God. he gets it through is I, I have, I have no idea. Yes. How that ball gets through. You, you you say okay it's a little lucky with Eki or uh the 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 Meg but yeah the vision you you don't teach that no the 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 weight of the pass you don't teach that like just he's not looking there the whole entire time and he still knows he's there um an in interview with Di Maria he says you know Messi he hasn't changed since I've played started playing with him in early two thousands or late two thousands he says I said uh, um. Messi is someone who all you need to do is run and he knows you're there. Even if you see his back turned to you, he knows that you're there. He's always calculating and he's going to give the ball to you. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see that, you know, that Messi, he, he's, he has that. I think this World Cup compared to the Copas, compared to previous World Cups he's been in, he's feeling that pressure. And I think that a lot of his teammates are, you know, realizing, hey, this is the last probably the last time we see Messi playing and definitely you know, it and is. he look, said he, he said he was done after this world cup he look, they look hungry yeah they, they do Argentina pass plays before and they then you know early goal or goal and then they start to drop off they start to stack the the defensive mid they mm-hmm. you know start to yes they have workhorses but a horse without a mission or a horse without anything to pull is just a horse so they're running around the pitch like just you know like not really doing anything, but now this World Cup, I think 
Should they have been scoring more because they have that talent? Yes. But you can say about you can say that about almost any team um, coming into it of like, oh, yeah, they should have scored more. Well, yeah, but one nil is, you know, hey. Also, the stakes are higher. So everybody's playing more defensively. It's not just that's normal. And I think, you know, kind of like a side note, I think we see that in a lot of the league games before leading up to the World Cup seeing how it's a change different. I think subconsciously we have a lot of players going into it. Of, I don't want to get hurt when they announce squads. I think they're playing more reserve and, and stuff like that. So I think now this is the time where we see higher state games, more conservative, but in the early games, you see people just flying in, you know, yeah. and, and it's all the gung ho, like, and I see, and I see, I think in the end, I think Argentina, yes, deserves, deserve to go through. Um, yeah. I think the other one, played really well i think that was really cheeky what they did with the free kick um yeah 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 and i think that was amazing i think uh Wenghorst, he did that i saw a training video or a, a video i think he did that like a few years ago like almost the exact one um and so it's really cool um shame but quickly on the penalties that martinez saved he didn't save them. He saved them because he's a good goalkeeper, not because those were bad pens. Those were both hit with pace into the into the corner. Um, it's not like the ones from Bang. was it the Japan shootout where Livakovic say like they're all cruddy. Oh, even Japan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Japan looked super timid. I don't think that they at that stage they haven't been in that amount of pressure. So I think their players are nervous. I think Spain. Other than their first penalty, their next year, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Spain had garbage penalties as well. Yeah, because he steps up, and it's the calm, cool collective, but then he puts in a pass right to the keeper. I think, yes, I fully agree with that. Netherlands' penalties were very good. All All five were good, yeah. They were equally matched with a good save, or I should say superb save. Okay, you know, you, you go into the science of like penalties, okay, hip height, you know, stuff like that. That's the easiest for a keeper to save. Yeah, sure. But like you said, they're hit with pace. They're, they're finding the back of the net. They're on target. You know, they're not, it's not a ball that's going to be easily. Martinez just, he guessed right. And he did really well. He's mm-hmm. at full stretch. Yeah. Strong hand as well. Oh, yeah. um, all right. So we've got the semifinals are set. We've got, uh, actually, before we go, any other thoughts on the quarters? I mean, I might be a tiny bit biased because I have enjoyed Messi, you know, and a Messi fan and stuff like that. I think from an on from from somebody watching and just observing and hearing comments from both sides, I think seventeen yellow cards being a record. I think people need to realize, hey, both teams play tactically of the mental game, but also dirty. You can't say that Argentina played dirty. You cannot say Netherlands played dirty. You know, you have, you know, these cameras at the level and these players know each other. These players play against each other or they play with and together on club teams, you know, and the, you know, Argentina and Netherlands, they have a history. I think um, the whole debate with, you know, even though we're talking about semifinals and Ronaldo isn't here, I think Ronaldo has given us, some of the most entertaining football in his career. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and it, and it shouldn't be a Messi-Ronaldo debate. And it would have been really cool to see a Messi-Ronaldo final, you know, and it was looking like that um, to be built up to that. Um, but I think 
at this point, you know, people are like, oh, it's collusion, you know, and uh, the, the refs are getting paid. And it, referee is referee, you know. Should should we have net, that's like better calls with how much money we put into VAR and all of the replay system and stuff like that and how many people are on the, the refereeing team now? Yeah, absolutely. But I think people are are forgetting and starting to get sucked into the more like, oh, that's what they did, he did, she did kind of deal. And it's like, guys, like, first of all, you are not there. Second of all, you do not know the history, you know, of these of these players, these coaches and stuff like that. So I think I say all that to say, you know, hey, Netherlands played very well. Mm-hmm. Came, came out. Uh, and unfortunately, it comes down to a penalty kick. I think that's just it's terrible um, for a team to go through or lose that way. Um, but you got to realize, like, too, like everyone's going to have their own opinion. This shouldn't be World Cups. If you look at the history of it, like bringing countries together, they're not showing the people who are singing and dancing together from different countries and cultures, sharing and breaking bread together and, you know, and drinking together and and being kind. You don't see last World Cup. It was such a shock that the Japanese fans were cleaning up after their games, you know, but you don't see that anymore. You see all the tension. You see all the argument. You see all the, the dirty tackles and, you know, and all these people fighting. It's like, guys, like, calm down. Like, you know, I mean, and of course it's a high tense, you know, it's a high risk, you know, situation you're in when it comes to playing because, you know, you're, you want to represent your country well. But I think a lot of it too, a lot of people are getting sucked into the, uh, the whole animosity of fighting and tension and it's just kind of, it's crappy to see, you know, Mm -hmm. that's all I have to say. I think the quarterfinals was like that. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we got France, Morocco, the first, uh, the second semifinal, Argentina, Croatia, the first one. Who you got? I said I'm a Messi fan. I think Croatia is going to give them a very hard time. We talked about in our podcast earlier about being in that midfield. I think Modric is he's he's going to come out. I wouldn't be surprised if he scores. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think Argentina though. There, I think they're going to take it two one if that second goal comes in overtime. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily see this one go to penalties. I think Argentina's going to try very, very, very hard to stay away from those penalties. I think it's Croatia's goal is going to come from a set piece or a defensive mistake. I think Croatia has the tenacity, and I think they have the resilience and discipline to stay in that formation the entire time. I just think that, Argentina is going to come out with more pressure and more attack, and they're just going to break them down. Yeah. I would be very interested to see these two in a penalty shootout, given both goalkeepers' performance and penalty shootouts thus far. Um, I think for me, it's going to come down to who is Messi going to have a better game or Modric is going to have a better game, probably. Because I think the rest of them, you can kind of, they're not, the rest of the teams are not that different. Um, Obviously, those two play different positions, but for me, I think Argentina is going to take it as well. I don't know. I hope he does. I want Messi to win the World Cup, um, but Croatia, like, you can't. There's kinda... something about them. It's just like they just don't. They've seen it all. Nothing phases them. They go down a goal to like bonkers goal to Neymar in extra time and they're like yeah it's fine we'll just uh score and then win on penalty it's like it's and they they did the same thing in 18 i think 
all of their knockout stage games or like close to all of them were on penalty shootouts, except the final, obviously. So I don't know. Part of me, part of me, like Tommy, who, you know, said uh, before the quarterfinals, he said, Croatia, Morocco final. So I, 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 you know, it's, you know, it's the PC thing to say and do and whatnot, you know, but it's like, Hey, I can't see it, but I actually can't see that. Um, yeah. I think, People look at it and don't and either forget or didn't realize. Hey, Croatia did play very well, and they they have not changed the way they're playing. They're bringing in other new players, and they're not changing the way they're playing. So I think it solidifies that midfield, the defense of of that kind of calm, cool collective. I've mm-hmm. heard multiple times from commentators of saying just they're in so much pressure, they're passing it out with ease. They're not yeah. they're not frazzled. They're not. Uh, they're not playing with hesitation. They're just playing smooth, silky football. They are yeah. coming. And that's that. That's the midfield three. Like Kovacic is very comfortable carrying the ball out. Modric and Brozovic under pressure playing the ball out. Um, and they have pace they're now. Uh, instead of 2018, they didn't have the – Orsic wasn't there in 2018. Uh, Sosa wasn't there in 2018. And the right back, I think, also wasn't there. And so they have pace in key areas now. And, and I think too, honestly, like in the final, I think they just retired. Yeah, probably. I, I don't. In France, you look at their squad. If you get tired, yeah, they're going to score four against you. Do mm-hmm. I think Croatia played bad? No, I do not. No. I don't think that score reflects that actual game. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, France, they're going to run run through. They beat them four. Nope. Like I, I honestly just thought. I just think that looking back, I think they just got tired. I think. Yeah, I don't think it was like a weird headspace. I don't think they got frazzled. They just got tired. No. Yeah. All right. I've been fence sitting enough. I'll take Argentina too. Um, all right. The other one, France, Morocco. I have I have France personally. The the I think Portugal. I think France is just that little bit better than Portugal. And from what I heard and read about that game, the Portugal-Morocco game, it seemed like Morocco was at the bending and one more straw would have broken the camel's back. And I think France has that little bit. Mbappe is just... He's just different. And I know on his side, he's got Hakimi, who's his teammate, and also equally as fast, probably, or close to it. Um, But... For me, they're just the little bit better, that little bit better to, especially if they get like emotionally coming from that win. Like you hold on, you play defense for a whole half and you hold on. It's like, oh, damn, do we have to do that again? <laughs> it's like, it's rough. So I think for me, France, I, I hope it's not a blowout, but I can see I like a 3-1 or 3-0 France win wouldn't really surprise me. Um, I like how Morocco, I think, first, congrats on being the first African nation, which is kind of crazy. Like, nothing to take away from Morocco. But Ivory Coast, Ghana, Senegal, Egypt even, all these countries... And Morocco's the first to do it. I I, I did not see that coming. Um, They are playing without Mahrez, 
which I think that would. Mars is Algerian. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I was just testing your knowledge. Um, I think Morocco, they play very high press, a lot of pressure. I think, though, like you said, I think they got, they looked, um, they looked not frazzled or scared or tired necessarily, but Portugal just missed open chances. And if they scored, I think it would be Portugal um, because I think the momentum would have shifted. I think Morocco um, has pace. I think that their goal um, came from a keeper mistake um, because other than that, other than the last injury time where the guy, uh, I forgot who it was, but he breaks away and tries to chip the goalkeeper, go around him, you have pace, you have the momentum, the keeper's on his, like, he's on the ground, come on. Like, he's slowing down. Um, they didn't have a lot of clear chances. Mm-hmm. Um, some And a team like France, I think there's just too much attacking threat. I think if Griezmann has the game he did, because I think he was one of the only France players that played well against England. I don't think France had a really good game against England. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they 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 snuffed out where they needed to attack. Drew was and that was an incredible goal. Now if it hit off Maguire and it was going back, if it didn't hit off Maguire and it went, was going back post, maybe Pickford could have got it, but his feet were offset, so probably not. And then the pace of it too. But I think if Griezmann has a really good game and to can kind of control that midfield. I think, yeah, France is going to go three. I'll be ballsy and say probably four. Morocco might get um, on a quick counter. I think they might get one, but I'll say France four one. Yeah, Uh, I just think that France is as good technically as Portugal, but physically they are way better. Like you look at Upamecano and Varane, Diaz and Pepe are both very good, but physically I'd take the French ones. Uh, Theo Hernandez over Guerrero. I've watched Guerrero play every week for like three years at Dortmund, and he is super good on the ball, but he could get blown over by the wind. So like Theo Hernandez takes that. Chumeni and Rabio versus like uh, Bernardo Silva and Bruno. Like Chumeni is a unit. Rabio is like six four. Um, Mbappe obviously, and then Giroud is a handful up top. Um, which for how old is he? Late 30s. He's 36, I think, yeah. 36, doing great as a step-in. And, and I think, honestly, too, it's. I think that's an interesting, that's a hot take of is Giroud playing well because he's feeling pressure? He's the go-to man um, and filling in for Benzema? Or is he just, are people forgetting that he's that good? You know? Probably I, both. He is, I, he is that good, but also the way that that French team sets up and like fits together, he just works better in that setup. Like the way that that team is set up is lends to all of those players' strengths in a way that's like it's really weird. It's really weird that a club side hasn't tried to do that with Griezmann or Mbappe yet. Like, right, with PSG, Mbappe's playing as the nine with Neymar and Messi off him. But, like, you can clearly see when he plays for the national team, he plays better when he's got a guy off him or when he's got a guy that he can play off. So it's like it just works. And then with, like, a floating 10, Griezmann just floats around and then basically just a super pacey winger on the other side who's skillful. So, right, when they make the sub, 
Komen is basically like for like for Usman and Dembele. They play the same way. And then if Nkunku was healthy, Nkunku would go for uh, for Griezmann. And then you like it all fits. So I don't know. It just fits together. So yeah, that's I don't know. That's my thoughts. But France is like they just they also have that thing. Uh, I don't know. I think if Morocco has their two midfielders, um... Amrabat and uh... Amrabat and uh, Unahai. Let me go look. Is it uh, Unahai? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Plays for um, and Ziyech. I think. Um, I don't know who he plays for, but if if they have a good game. If they play really well, I think they made some simple mistakes off pressure with their with their touches. Um, mm-hmm. Unnecessary because I think they're just they feel the momentum. I think they're trying to do too much instead of just slowing it down and playing simple. Um, if they are a w- more aware of their space and just what they can take, I think they could give France a run for their money. I think that it's not going to be an easy game for France, but I think yes. Physical, the physicality, the matchup one on one. I think France does take it, and they will score. Yeah. Like if you look at Unahi, he's only twenty two years old. But I just pulled up his player profile. He's listed at six foot, one hundred forty pounds, or one hundred thirty seven pounds. You turn that around, and you go to Chumeni, for instance, or Rabio. You're looking at physically. Rabio is listed six two one sixty, and too many six two one eighty. So yeah, it's like the tanks phys- versus the Prius. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So they'll get they'll get bodied off the ball. Yeah, sure. and Ziyech as well is also thin. Um, so I don't know. For me, I just like. I want Argentina to win so bad, but something about Croatia is just like, I don't know. I'm still going Argentina-France final, though. Okay, so we both go on Argentina-France final. Who you got in the final? Argentina 1-0. Late goal. I think both teams are just – whoever makes it, you know. Um, but if it is Argentina-France, they're going to come out. They're, I think you have Argentina carrying for Messi. You have France trying to be back-to-back. Um, mm-hmm. First nation to do it in a very long time. I think they're both going to come out swinging. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of open space, open play. I think they're uh, both teams are going to just have those chances. But I think Argentina will take it late goal. One. Yeah, I don't actually disagree with that. I think uh, Lautaro Martinez has the winning penalty in the quarterfinals between him and Julian Alvarez. Both of them, if like one of them can find the net. Yeah, basically, I don't... basically, they just need to not be Iguain in twenty fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I I think Argentina, I I think it's too perfect to be written that Messi scores the winning goal. I I'm gonna say that Messi assists assists or provides it yeah. or has that maestro and commands it, but I don't think he'll score. But I think Argentina will. All score. right, Argentina one nil World Cup winners. Yeesh. Is that what you All mean? right. I know you're a busy man. It's been an hour already. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Everyone, go buy the shirts. Um, Matt, do you want to plug your TikTok, by the way, for those listening? Matt has the most entertaining PE teacher TikTok I think I've ever seen. 
Not true. But um, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm a teacher at a middle school. And uh, what I've seen in the past few years, especially with COVID, um, there has been a lot of um, use of social media in a poor way. And I always I teach my kids in my classroom, health room and in the gym of, you know, I'm trying to make you and your other teachers, too. We're trying to make you better informed decision makers. Um, And so social media is kind of that outlet for just I have uh, like a suggestion box on my whiteboard and students can drop a suggestion of whatever TikTok or trend they want me to do. Um, Have not done the one chip challenge because another teacher um, did it and EMT was called. Jesus. Um, But yeah, so that was interesting. Um, But yeah, so my TikTok is very funny. I get or I would say it is. I agree. A lot of students think it's very cringe. Um, It's that um, T-H-A-T underspace H-P-E underspace teacher. Um, And it's just an opportunity for me to try to make, you know, kids smile, try to show that, hey, with throughout positivity, um, you know, that's what social media should be used for and support. I also have a student Instagram um, that is the same handle. Uh, I post school announcements, things for Fairfax County. Um, I plugged in. Um, I have volleyball trials for my school coming up. So if you're a student going to watch this, I will plug this podcast um, to represent Eric and his company. Um, but also, um, if you're looking at trying out for the volleyball team, I am the coach. And it'll be Monday, tomorrow, Monday, and uh, Wednesday after school. But it's just a cool opportunity just to really connect with the kids and see a lot of the kids who are quiet in the classes really just kind of come out of their shell or give like a really crazy funny suggestion so yeah fair enough we'll put the link to that in the description guys go check it out um yeah france argentina world cup final fingers crossed all right guys we'll see you guys next time peace